you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America first perspective. Streaming live on iHeartRadio and available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes. And you can shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. We've got a voicemail set up where you can vent at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, this campaign to hide the identity of the whistleblower has really reached uh, the, uh, levels of absurdity. Uh, the whistleblower's name has been out there for a couple of weeks now. There's very, very little doubt that uh, Eric Chiarmella is the whistleblower. If Eric Chiarmella was not the whistleblower, he would have come forward by now and said so. Uh, But the Democrats and their mainstream media mouthpieces continue to insist that we're not allowed to utter his name. His his is the name that must not be spoken, sort of like that uh, character in the Harry Potter movies. Uh, and all of this is really about uh, keeping the whistleblower from testifying and being cross-examined and ask any difficult questions about his coordination with Adam Schiff's staff and this, uh, this resistance law firm headed by Mark Zaid. We're going to talk more about him in just a second. Um, so th- they're continuing to put up this, this uh, pretext that we're not allowed to say the name of the whistleblower after everybody already knows his name. Uh, the mainstream media is not printing it. The network television st- uh, stations aren't uttering it. Uh, they're making the big story that uh, we have to protect his anonymity. Even Fox News and further evidence uh, that you know they're really sort of uh, part of this whole uh, effort, at least their hard news uh, uh, shows are. Uh, the, the executives at Fox News have handed down the edict now that uh, nobody is to utter uh, Eric Ciarmella's name. And as I said, this is uh, sort of le- reaching the level of absurdity now. Uh, that we're not allowed to say the guy's name even after everybody knows who he is. And this is all in the furtherance of trying to give Adam Schiff cover uh, by refusing to allow this guy to testify and ask him, uh, you know, how he came about being the whistleblower. You'll recall that it was not that long ago that Adam Schiff was uh, uh, saying that, yes, we're going to hear from this whistleblower. That was before it came out that uh, the whistleblower had been coordinating with Adam Schiff and his staff. When do you expect to hear from the whistleblower? Uh, very soon. I, you know, It will depend probably more on how quickly the director of national intelligence can uh, complete the security clearance process for the whistleblower's lawyers. But we're ready to hear from the whistleblower as soon as that is done. We're ready to hear from the whistleblower. Back then it was okay that the whistleblower was going to testify. Of course, then it was leaked 
or learned, I should say, uh, that uh, the whistleblower had lied on the complaint form when he said that he had not coordinated with Adam Schiff's staff, and Adam Schiff was busted having lied about not having any uh, contacts with the whistleblower. And now Adam Schiff has changed his story entirely, and he's being aided and abetted in this uh, by the, the media that's trying to craft this narrative. Why push for this whistleblower to come before Congress? Because uh, Republicans are calling for it, and some Democrats would like to ask questions too, but this information's already out there. Can't the committee do its own investigation without risking the identity of this person being... Oh, we don't need to risk the identity of Eric Chiarmella. Eric Chiarmella has been, uh, you know, all over the alternate media who this guy is. He's not denied it, so apparently he is the whistleblower, but the mainstream media, and you just heard a great example uh, there, I'll play it for you again, is uh, forwarding this narrative that, oh, if we if we dare say his name, he will be uh, in mortal danger. Why push for this whistleblower to come before Congress? Because uh, Republicans are calling for it, and some Democrats would like to ask questions too, but... This information's already out there. Can't the committee do its own investigation without risking the identity of this person being? Um, yes, we were interested in having the whistleblower come forward. Our primary, well, our primary interest right now is making sure that that person is protected. Uh, indeed, now there's more than one whistleblower that they are protected. Uh, and given that we already have the call record, we don't need the whistleblower who wasn't on the call to tell us what took place during the call. We have the best yeah. evidence of that. You may remember that uh, it was not that long ago uh, that the mainstream media was saying, oh, we've got multiple whistleblowers. Everybody's going to blow the whistle on Trump now. Now that it's coming out uh, who this uh, whistleblower is and who he has been associated with and who he was working for in the early days of the Trump administration, John Brennan, oh, now we can't possibly allow him to testify. And that's why in this resolution that the House passed authorizing this inquiry, they specifically gave Adam Schiff veto power of any witnesses that the Republicans wanted to call. Well, now it's come out that this, uh, this law firm, this whistleblower resistance law firm that is representing Eric Chiarmella is, um, uh, has been trying to engineer a coup since the very week that Donald Trump took office. I think it was actually a couple of weeks after he took office that he ended up having to fire Sally Yates because she refused to implement his perfectly legal uh, travel ban that uh, that kept um, visas being issued in uh, country from countries that were <clears throat> hotbeds of terrorism. She refused to do that, and Eric Chiarmella promptly... Um, uh, went to his Twitter account and said that the coup is underway, that uh, for every one that falls, there will be two to take their place. And uh, I'll, just, uh, I'll just play you a clip from uh, Donald Trump's rally in Lake Charles, Louisiana last night, where he actually read uh, from, this, from these uh, tweets. A lot of things have happened. Because, you know, I don't know if you saw, I just got off, I'm coming off the plane, and they hand me, look at this character. Okay, they just hand me this story. Coup has started, whistleblower's attorney said, in 2017. You know when that was? That was a long time ago. It's all a hoax. 
They say January 2017, a coup has started and the impeachment will follow ultimately. It's all a, it's all a hoax. It's a scam. And you know who helps them? These people right back here, the media. And then it said, oops, the light's going to go off. The CNN light is going to go off. It said, from the lawyer, a sleazeball. It said, I predict at CNN will play a key role in at real Donald Trump. Not finishing out his first time. Can you believe this? This is a whole, and this was done a long time ago. Then he goes, as one falls, two more will take their place, referring to outgoing Trump administration employees, who, by the way, have been put through hell by the sleaze back there and by crooked politicians. So Mark Zaid, the lawyer for the whistleblower, funded by uh, George Soros money, the very week that Donald Trump took office was uh, tweeting out that they are going to engineer a coup and that the deep state was full of these resistance operators. And for every one that Donald Trump would fire, there would be two more to take his place. Now, they, they uh, sort of put the lid on this while they waited for uh, Robert Mueller to complete his uh, report. They believed, I think, that Robert Mueller would go all the way and frame Donald Trump for the supposed collusion with Russia. And when he didn't, it was just the very next day after Robert Mueller's testimony before the House Judiciary Committee that this whole whistleblower uh, uh, effort, this uh, this coup attempt, took shape and uh, and uh, the, uh, the whistleblower was coordinating with Schiff's staff. This is, uh, the, the kind, this is the kind of third world Soviet coups that we saw. This is the same, it's sort of based on the same model with which they, uh, the, they toppled the uh, duly elected government in Ukraine. And now the same media elite that have for literally decades had no problem blowing the lid off of classified uh, national security secrets and uh, printing people's names like, um, you know, you remember that uh, John Brennan said that uh, he had a mole inside the Kremlin and uh, they brought him to the United States. Well, it was it was just a few days later that they were publishing this guy's name all over the uh, mainstream media because they thought it it could hurt Trump. And the, the fact that the, you know they're steadfastly sticking to the uh, the narrative that the whistleblower's name must be protected shows you that they're all part of crafting this narrative that we cannot allow the whistleblower to testify. They now they now after you know printing everybody else's names and and compromising our national security. They act like the whistleblower's identity has to be protected at all costs as if, you know, our national survival counted on it. Trump went on last night at that rally to, uh, to point out just what a threat all of this poses uh, to the republic. 
In their campaign to transform America, Democrats are becomingly increasingly totalitarian, suppressing dissent, defaming the innocent, eliminating due process, staging show trials, and trying to overthrow American democracy to impose their socialist agenda. That's exactly what they uh, we've got going on. They actually have uh, you know gangs of street thugs and Antifa out there imposing you know trying to uh, uh, keep any expression of dissent from rising in the streets. If you go out and you support the president in the streets in any any big city in this country, you will be set upon by masked thugs who will assault you. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this. And then Adam Schiff's uh, scheme to try to roll out this narrative uh, with public testimony next week. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, Sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. So in the next half hour, we're going to be joined by Mike Phillip, host of Ameriduck Radio, which uh, appears right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network, and he's going to bring us up to speed on uh, the politics of uh, Canada, where he lives. It's a cautionary tale because uh, Canada is much further down this uh, cultural Marxist socialist road than uh, than we are, but uh, it will give you sort of a an idea of where we're headed if we're un, if we're unsuccessful in fighting back these radical Democrats. So uh, Donald Trump Jr. Uh, retweeted a story from Breitbart yesterday that contained the name of this whistleblower that's been in uh, you know out in the public for about two weeks now, and uh, and the media immediately took this as their cue to jump all over Donald Trump Jr. for exposing the whistleblower. And that was their, their big narrative that they're pushing forward. Of course, as I mentioned, all of this is designed to prevent the whistleblower from ever having to testify. Rand Paul's not having it. He says if they, they in fact, uh, you know, impeach the president in the House of Representatives, that when it comes over to the Senate, he will, in fact, make sure that the whistleblower is called to testify. And that has got to be keeping Adam Schiff up at night because, uh, Adam Schiff knows that uh, when the whistleblower is put on the spot, he'll have to admit all of this coordination that has gone on or risk being charged with perjury himself. I played a clip yesterday where Rand Paul was setting uh, uh, a CNN, it may have been, no, it's an MSNBC reporter straight uh, on whether or not it is legal to publish the whistleblower's name. The whistleblower laws, though, they protect a whistleblower. You know it's illegal to out a whistleblower. Actually, you see, you got that wrong, too. No, I mean, we don't. No, no, we don't. This is a reporter. 
should know better, should be you know up to speed on the questions she's asking a U.S. senator. She believes that there is some law that makes it illegal to talk about the name of the whistleblower. The whistleblower laws, though, they protect a whistleblower. You know it's illegal to out a whistleblower. Actually, you see, you got that wrong, too. No, I mean, we don't. you should work on the facts. Here's the thing is, the whistleblower statute protects the whistleblower from having his name revealed by the inspector general. Even the New York Times admits that no one else is under any legal obligation. The other point, and you need to be very careful if you really are interested in the news, She's is not. that the whistleblower actually is a material witness. He is a material witness in so many regards. You know, you can't you can't be part of a conspiracy uh, working uh, with uh, Adam Schiff, who is the most dishonest, discredited, uh, wild-eyed, bug-eyed. Um, you know, uh, impeachment fanatic. He he sort of reminds me of Gollum, that character from the Lord of the Rings and impeachment is my precious. But Rand Paul points out that, uh, you know, you can't have this process go forward to try to disenfranchise 63 million Americans by having their vote overturned without the president having the ability to confront his accuser. Your colleagues, Republicans, right. say that it's irresponsible and dangerous for yeah. you to call to out the whistleblower. Yeah. You, you've, you've heard of the Constitution, right? The Constitution has the Sixth Amendment, and the Sixth Amendment says very clearly that uh, if you're accused of a crime, you have the right to confront your accuser. So I think the Constitution is very clear on this, and we shouldn't completely just throw away the Constitution, particularly because you know certain networks just don't like the president. So... It's, it's going to be fun to continue to watch. Eventually, one of these alternative media sources is going to catch up to Eric Chiramella and uh, get a microphone in his face and ask him some, some of these questions. I have no doubt that he'll you know throw a coat over his head or duck behind a bush. But, um, and I have little doubt that uh, you know Adam Schiff is going to be successful in keeping the whistleblower under wraps until this fiasco gets over to the Senate when, in fact, we're going to hear from him and the full extent of this conspiracy. You know, the the big debate now is whether or not there was a quid pro quo with regard to Trump releasing uh, this military aid to the Ukraine uh, in return for uh, uh, the Ukraine uh, finding out or um, admitting to the interference that they engaged in in the 2016 presidential election when uh, the previous Ukrainian administration uh, was working with the Clinton campaign and the Obama administration to generate smears against Donald Trump and the perfectly legitimate uh, uh, avenue of inquiry of whether or not the former vice president of the United States was uh, engaged in graft and corruption in taking millions of dollars from a Ukrainian energy company for himself and his his son, Hunter Biden. Uh, They're trying to tell you that uh, the president doing that would be illegal. Now, they can't cite any law that it would actually break. Their latest narrative is that, oh, it would be extortion. It wouldn't be extortion because the president wouldn't be receiving anything of value. He would be exercising his executive responsibility 
to get to the bottom of corruption and make sure we weren't throwing good money after bad over in the Ukraine. Now, the president and his uh, supporters have steadfastly uh, denied that there was any quid pro quo, and to date I have not seen any evidence that there was. But, you know, there's sort of a, um, a, um, a process in law where when you make your arguments and you make your briefs, uh, you look at the opposing party's arguments, in this case, that there was a quid pro quo, and you argue whether or not, even if that were true, whether it would qualify uh, as a violation of the law, or in this case, whether or not it would constitute uh, justification for an impeachment. And in this case, it most certainly would not. Even if, and there's no proof of it to this point, but even if there were a quid pro quo with regard to the president releasing this military aid in exchange for uh, information about uh, the corruption that went on in the Ukraine, that would not be an impeachable offense. That would be the president exercising his sworn duty to uh, faithfully execute the laws of the United States. If there was, in fact, election interference that emanated out of the Ukraine, and we have a lot of information now that there was, and if the former vice president of the United States was engaged in graft and um, illegality by forcing the Ukrainians to fire a prosecutor who was looking into his uh, uh, the Burisma who had hired Joe Biden's son, Hunter, to protect them, then that would certainly be something that America needs to know, especially considering the fact that that very same Joe Biden is now um, a, a candidate to be president of the United States. All of this, you would never be able to put forward such a ridiculous uh, narrative, such a ridiculous legal theory, if you did not have the force of the the mainstream media behind you cooking up um, these these long-winded propaganda pieces that they do. Of course, the president is perfectly within his rights and fulfilling his responsibility to get to the bottom of what happened in 2016 and whether or not Joe Biden was engaged in corruption in the Ukraine, which there is a prima facie, that means on its face, case that in fact he was. And there are more and more people in the Ukraine that are realizing that Donald Trump's not going to be removed for office that are coming forward now and saying that, yes, in fact, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were engaged in taking billions of money off the books from Burisma and using his position as the vice president and the one who set Ukrainian policy to uh, to get that prosecutor fired, which is exactly what Burisma hired Hunter Biden to do. I don't know if they're uh, they're going to go through with all of all of this attack on uh, on Trump or not, and, and impeach the president, but we'll see. We're going to run out to a break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by Mike Phillip from Ameriduck Radio. 
We're going to talk about uh, the cautionary tale that Canada represents. They're much further down this socialist road than we are. Stick with us. We'll be back after these messages. You're going to hear two commercials, and then we'll be right back on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. You know, we talk a lot about our southern border, and for obvious reasons, but we talk a lot less about our northern border with Canada. That border at 5,500 miles is almost three times longer than our southern border and far less secured. Combine that with Canada's very permissive immigration and asylum laws, and you have a situation where our northern border is only as secure as that of our neighbors to the north. Not to mention all the smart-ass Canucks that end up on Saturday Night Live. To talk about this, we're joined now by Mike Phillip, host of Ameranuk Radio that airs right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. At 2 p.m. Eastern, I believe that's uh, 12 Mountain Standard Time. Mike's an American, but he lives north of the wire in Edmonton, Alberta, and talks about the intersection of all things Canadian and the lower 48. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Jim. You've got a great show, and uh, I'm honored to uh, join you today. Yeah, I read a little bit about your uh, bio, and uh, you've come up in the radio biz and uh, have become a sort of an aficionado of talk radio, and I've listened to your show for quite a while. And i got to tell you, I really enjoy it. I, I love the production values, and, uh, and there's always, it's always a good discussion on your show. So uh, tell the listeners of right now, what's an American doing up there in Canada? You know, the only Americans that I know that ended up in Canada – were friends of my oldest brother who uh, who went up there in the 1970s when their number came up. Well, let's be clear, Jim. I was born in Alberta, Canada, okay? My uh-huh. father's from Chicago, served in the U.S. military. Gotcha. Uh, I've got an uncle in Arlington National uh, Cemetery. I've got a cousin in the Air Force stationed over in South Korea. Uh, my Uncle Bob was in the military, and I'm uh, so my dad came up here and ended up meeting my mother, who is from this area, very small town in rural Alberta. So it was uh, quite a contrast between having the two of them as parents and uh, 
but my father was fiercely, fiercely pro-American. So I was raised uh, with that lens growing up and I studied the constitution, the bill of rights. And I looked into the founding and philosophy of the two countries between Canada and the United States of America. And when I reached a certain age, Jim, I went and I jumped through a bunch of hoops using my dad's old army papers and everything. I, uh, I'm an American by choice. Hell yeah. And, and I, I like it that way. And I'm very proud of my heritage. And I, I'm literally a missionary for individual freedom in a socialist country. Now, Canadians on the whole are great people, but they have been severely brainwashed into a very bad situation that we're facing today. You mentioned the immigration. Uh, you mentioned, I mean, there's so many things that we can touch on here. And right now in Alberta, where I live, we are absolutely standing on the precipice of a Holocaust being brought in by socialist policies, uh, color of law, if you, if you dig right into it. None of the things that are happening are actually lawful, and uh, uh, people are losing out. We've had four energy companies, uh, one of the biggest ones in Canada, uh, which was called Ancana, leave, pull up their stakes, and head down to the United States. There's been 150,000 jobs lost so far. But uh, if you want to get into uh, laying the bed for what set this situation up to happen in the first place, I could give you a little history, and I'd be happy to do it, Jim. Well, you, you touched there on the energy situation and, uh, and uh, oil companies uh, bugging out of Canada to come, uh, come down here. Is that yeah. uh, related to this uh, climate change hysteria? Is the, the government in Canada uh, trying to, to stop oil exploration up there? 100%, but what you've got to understand, and uh, to, to understand the situation really well, I encourage you and your listeners to go and watch a, a documentary film about a half an hour long that's been just recently produced called Over a Barrel, and Over a Barrel gets into how uh, foreign nationals with uh, business interests with U.S. oil and gas and Saudi Arabian energy production have spent massive amounts of money to demonize the Alberta energy production industry. Now that, That's the oil you, shells, right? That's correct. And w what happened was uh, they, they framed our oil sands up in Fort McMurray, Alberta, as dirty oil, okay? And, and they spent massive amounts of money on these campaigns to convince Canadians coast to coast that they're, that they're bad. Now... I'm just going to, I'm going to jump around a little bit, Jim, so that you understand the situation between Alberta and its relationship with the rest of Canada. We're right there if with you, you Mike. Back, excellent. So if you go back to the sixties, they passed what was called the equalization act and the equalization and act in Canada means that have provinces give up large sums of money to the federal government to dole out to have not provinces. So, what has happened over the years, Alberta has been uh, grifted to the tune of about $20 billion a year, wow. which they take to Ottawa and give the lion's share of it to Quebec, right? So, uh, and we that's, the, that's the fun to, social welfare programs and the, uh, the huge immigration racket that they've got going on. It's a gigantic nationwide welfare program. And so what you had happen was uh, provinces like Quebec and Ontario 
had a monetary incentive to cut back on their own industry like mining and oil and gas production, uh, the fisheries out east uh, in the, the maritime provinces. So what they would do is they would curtail their own uh, electricity production, energy production, mining, forestry, in order to get these federal funds. Now, Alberta has a population of roughly 4 million people. And with the wealth that Alberta has generated, uh, kids here should be driving Ferraris like Dubai. But instead, the federal government took it. They bought off Quebec. They And, and now what has happened now with this massive push to demonize Alberta energy as dirty uh, we've got these coast-to-coast -coast national pipeline projects to get our product out to uh, international markets. And, and that would be the, the refineries the, on the Gulf Coast of Texas? Well, we've got lines going down to Texas. I'll, I'll, go in, I'll get into that in a little bit. But these other pipelines would be getting them overseas to markets like China and India and, and huge markets that we need in order to get this out. So... To the west of us, the province of British Columbia, the people were convinced that if there was a pipeline going through their province, that it would pose a danger to their environment. Now, I could go on all day about how oil is made by the earth, and if you get a little bit of it on the earth, it's, uh, we'll return it's to not going to do yeah, it will return to the earth. In fact, areas where you do reclamation work, if there's been an oil spill or a blowout, if you go back in a year, the plant life and foliage is on average two feet higher than the plant life around it because of the rare earth minerals in that oil. But it doesn't matter to these people. So what they did was they uh, pulled off these provincial uh, laws and resolutions to block us from having our product shipped to the coast where it can get shipped out to international markets. Now, if you go east of us, Quebec and Montreal did the same thing. Uh, even though both of these, uh, Vancouver and, and Montreal, dump millions of tons of raw sewage into the Pacific Ocean and the St. Lawrence Seaway, they're blocking our oil. Now, at the, at the same time, what they're doing is taking federal funds and buying oil and gas from the United States and a large chunk of it from Saudi Arabia. Well, my well, understanding the was the Keystone XL pipeline and the Dakota pipeline mm -hmm. uh, was all about moving the, the oil from the uh, Canadian oil sands fields uh, down to the refineries in, uh, in Houston so that they could, uh, they could move the product offshore. Well, you're correct about that, but what you need to understand is oil that we sell to the United States is way below market value, so we don't get profit, proper market price per barrel for everything going down to the United States, it's pennies on the dollar where we would get that full value to international markets. And they just had a spill with the Keystone Pipeline, and everybody is freaking out. Now, what you need to understand, when that happens, they notice a drop in pressure immediately on the pipeline. They shut it down. They send out welders. They find the problem, and they fix it. That, that oil that's spilled on the ground is not going to be a problem whatsoever, but the media hypes it up, and you've got how dare you with you know Greta Gret Thunberg. Well, that's why that. that's why the environmentalists in the United States were so determined to shut down those pipelines is because they wanted to deny that oil exploration to Canada. That was at the same time yeah. when the Obama administration was trying to put a lid on the oil exploration in the United States. They basically want to uh, shut down fossil fuels, uh, sort of out of out of an 
ideological fervor more than uh, any sort of rational uh, policy. But um, I, I, I hear what you, I hear what you're saying that uh, that the other provinces are robbing Alberta blind because you guys are generating the uh, the oil revenues. Uh, that sounds to me like a a recipe for resentment. Uh, has there any rumblings about a secessional secession movement up there? Well, you're talking to the right guy because I've been talking about that for a very long time because, you know, here's the thing. We, we were able to generate such a huge amount of wealth that people were living high on the hog here, even though a big chunk of it was getting ripped off. And so people put their head down and said, okay, you know what? It's fine. And I have been an advocate of Alberta cutting ties with the rest of Canada and possibly becoming a U.S. state uh. or a <laughs> independent uh, republic. That's another possibility, or you know, a U.S. territory as well. I mean, Trump was talking about. Well, we, we would need we would need to cut you guys up into about four states so we could have uh, at least eight senators from uh, from Alberta. <laughs> well, those are all options worth looking at. But the thing is, every time you bring it up. I mean, before in the past, people would look at me like I had a third arm growing out of the side of my head <laughs> and say, oh, that'll never happen here. We've got oil right under our feet. We'll never go broke. And I said to them, do you think that guys living in Sudan are living high on the hog because they got diamonds under their feet? Or Venezuela. Venezuela is flush with oil. Venezuela. Yeah. Exactly. And Venezuela has huge amounts of national resources. But they uh, they cut their own hands off, basically. They allowed Marxism to take root, uh, the same that's uh, going on in the, some of the other provinces of Canada. 100%. And uh, here's the thing. It doesn't just hurt us. Now, uh, Albertans spent a huge amount of money in tourism dollars in British Columbia. That's done. Uh, guys from Newfoundland, Labrador, and New Brunswick over in the Maritime provinces would fly out here and work for two weeks, fly home, and have the money to buy a new truck and a house, that's all dried up. And what these, you know, when they see these kids, what the hell does a kid know, right, Jim? I mean, you see them being whipped up to into a frenzy, being told that the planet and their puppy dog is going to die in 12 years if Alberta gets its filthy oil to market. But we'll take that oil from the guys that will cut their wife's head off or throw a glass of acid in their face. That, that's the crazy thing about it. Like, if we keep our oil in the ground, they'll just uh, double the production over there in the Middle East. Uh, the, the environmental impact will be exactly the same, except for we will no longer be the masters of our own fate. Well, the environmental impact will be 100 times worse. Um, we have some of the cleanest drilling practices on the planet, bar none. We have the, the most ethical energy production in the world. Not only that, the Canadian, uh, well, specifically Albertan oil workers are revered around the world in foreign oil patches for their level of competence. And uh, I've known guys that work all over the planet. And uh, they were sought out by foreign oil companies because they were from here and because we have such high safety and cleanliness standards. Mike, I need to run out to a break, but I want you to stick with me uh, uh, to the other side if you're available. Sure, I can do that, Jim. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the, the political climate north of the border in the Great White North with Mike Phillip of Amerinuck Radio right after these messages. Stick with us. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is 
Hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. We're talking with Mike Phillip, host of Ameranuk Radio, that also airs right here on Mojo at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. I believe that's 12 Mountain Standard Time. Uh, Mike, as we went out to the break, I was uh, we were talking about the uh, the energy situation up there, but I want to get a, a sort of an overall picture for the listeners of the uh, the political situation up there. We know that just recently uh, the Canadians reelected uh, Justin Trudeau, who had it's just been revealed to have been a serial uh, um, offender of wearing blackface uh, yeah. just in the last uh, 10 or 15 years. Uh, and he is liberal. now heading up a, a minority government. Uh, we're sort of unfamiliar with the parliamentary system. So uh, give us a layout of the political uh, dynamics in Canada. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to the situation in contrast between Alberta and the rest of Canada for the political situation. We have a parliamentary system. Uh, Canada was made a country by an act signed in a foreign legislature brought across the Atlantic Ocean. America beat the bloody British back to the sea. Canada signed a bunch of deals. Okay? God save the queen. So Canada, yeah, exactly, and uh, I, I don't get it. 2020 and we need a queen right it doesn't make sense to me it's archaic and anyways back to the parliamentary system so we have what is called the house of commons and each area of the country has a uh, or riding as they call it has an mp or a member of parliament okay and then you have so many seats in the house of commons where they hold votes on national law and policy now, the entire province of Alberta has 34 seats in the House of Commons. By contrast, the city of Toronto has 37. So by the time a national election vote is held in Canada, by, by the time the votes are cast in Eastern Standard Time, in the eastern part of the country between Ontario and Quebec, the election is decided before anybody goes to the polls here. You well, I've spent, some, I've spent some time in Toronto, and it's like being dropped uh, into sort of some sort of uh, cosmopolitan um, polyglot. Mogadishu. Uh, well, some areas, Mogadishu, <laughs> some areas, China, some areas, uh, right. uh, the Middle East. Uh, you know, there are, uh, there are still, uh, you know, traditional Canucks up there as well, but uh, they, yeah. they appear to be in the minority to me. Well, they listen, up here in the school system, what they were doing, we had this class called social studies. And what they taught you was that America is bad because it is a melting pot. Canada, however, is good because we're a mosaic, like oh. a blanket. with it. Oh, I know. We're going to have every culture of the world living side by side, practicing their own culture, and everybody's going to hold hands and sing the 
theme song from the Smurfs at three o'clock every day. And Sa- it will be sounds so like a, another experiment in, in uh, multiculturalism. They used to call the Balkans over in Eastern Europe, and uh, exactly. And and that yeah, it, uh, that, was reci- that was a that was a recipe yeah. for warfare and uh, sectarian violence. One hundred percent. Listen, some cultures don't mix. That's it. That's all. If you want to be an American, you come over and you be an American. You sign, you know, you swear an oath to the and pledge to the the flag, the Constitution, allegiance. You know what I mean? Uh, here, it's like you're encouraged to set up your own little enclave. And I mean, this happens in the U.S. too. I mean, look at the situation in Minneapolis and places like that. But uh, here, it's encouraged and it's official policy. Well, tell so, me how tell uh, me how Justin Trudeau got elected and how he's heading the government and what happened to the conservatives up there. Justin Trudeau got elected by pandering to the east. Now, industry, like I said before, has been largely smashed in Ontario. So, uh, people in the Maritimes and Ontario and a lot of Quebec basically cast a vote based on who's going to get the most federal money. And so the Liberal Party of Canada is the one that, you know, promises the, the buco welfare bucks, and they ride on that. Well, you know, people out west are more self-determined. Uh, Alberta is a lot like Texas, to be quite honest with you. I know a lot of people who have business holdings between Alberta and Texas. I worked in the oil patch myself. I worked on a lot of equipment that was headed to Utah, Texas, Colorado, and so, yeah, for the listeners you know, that are not aware, Alberta is a Western state. Uh, they, they're very uh, reminiscent of uh, Colorado or Utah or, or even Wyoming. Very much so. We have uh, very strong uh, gun rights values, uh, you know, personal freedom, uh, roll up your sleeves and get at it. You know what I'm saying? And so, but, but it doesn't matter because the votes that are cast in the Canadian political system out east automatically cancel you out. Now, all this money that they've been dumping on Quebec all of this time uh, has resulted in them being able to have a, you know, a 30-hour work week, free child care, all kinds of goodies like that. And they've got accustomed to that lifestyle. And so uh, Justin Trudeau panders to that. Now, you mentioned his blackface thing. Uh, You know, he would go over to India and dress up like somebody in a Bollywood movie and oh. do the stupid. Yee, 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 God, dance. it was so embarrassing. And, I was embarrassed oh, for the Canadians. Old school Canadians were just horrified. And 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 listen, after he left uh, India, they canceled a bunch of trade deals because they were insulted by his blatant cultural appropriation <laughs> and pandering. And so it's always and the, just the, like, as bad dancing in general. Oh, it was just, you know, a man doesn't do that. Like, act <laughs> like a man. Seriously. And, you know, he goes and marches in gay pride parades, but he won't show up for any kind of veteran events. We had a veteran. Uh, veterans were asking for more money because they're, they're not getting help. They they're get, ended up on the street. And, but we had two terrorists, one of it, a guy named Omar Cotter, that was went from uh, Ontario as a kid over to Afghanistan through a grenade that killed U.S. Army medic Chris Spears. He was captured, taken to Guantanamo Bay, Canada, uh, leveraged for his release. They brought him back here and gave him 
$10.5 million, but they didn't have money for these vets. Justin Trudeau told them flat out, uh, we don't um, uh, have the kind of money that you're looking for. But they've got $10.5 million for a guy who killed a U.S. Army medic. I, I, rem- I remember that situation exactly. Let me ask yep. you a serious question here, Mike. Um, yeah. I know that uh, you guys don't have a bill of rights to your constitution up there, and uh, I've I've just you know been watching from afar as uh, freedom of speech has uh, has been just totally uh, silenced up there, and that they p- actually jailed people for violating their speech codes. Are are, are you not uh, somewhat concerned of you know expressing your mind the way you do that uh, you're going to come to the attention of the authorities up there? I have, uh, so I've gotten into situations where we've butted heads in the past. And the last time I spoke to them, they said, have a nice life, Mr. Phillip. Uh, we're halting all action against you. I'm not going to get into depth with that, but there are ways around things. Not only that, but I am an American. And I will play that card if it comes down to I'm it. I'm trying but. to remember the name of that uh, that uh, journalist. He he's a regular guest on Tucker Carlson's show, but he is a Canadian by birth, and uh, and they hauled him into court several times, and he ended up having to move down here to New Hampshire uh, to be able to continue to express himself freely. Okay, so they're not hauling him into court. All right, that's what you need to understand. What they've set up is these color of laws, non-official. They call it. Human rights tribunals. How Soviet sounding is that, right? And and so if you get called before a human rights tribunal, like we had this case of uh, Jessica Yaniv, who was trying to extort money out of, you know, Hindu, Muslim, and Christian women that were running tanning salons and uh, estheticians, uh, saying that, you know, Jessica Yaniv, whose real name is Jonathan, you have to wax my midsection and give me a Brazilian. Uh, and y- you know what I mean? You're, you're, That's what he, these, they've got to wax his nuggets and, and his junk down there. Uh, yeah. We're well familiar correct. with that story down here. Uh, he, ended up, he ended up losing. I, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to call him a he since I'm talking to a Canadian or not, but, uh, uh <laughs> he, she ended up losing that case and ended up having to pay the legal fees for the, uh, for the wax salon, as I recall. So he had to pay uh, $2,000 to three of them. So it came out to $6,000. But they handled that whole case with kid gloves, right, saying, well, you know, we totally understand what you're doing, but you can't do this. And, and you know what I mean? And I think that, quite honestly, if it was any other situation, the fine would have been a lot higher. We've had these uh, human rights tribunals uh, get into situations where they – uh, you know, you'd have a, an, a refugee or an immigrant that was renting a house and the owner came over and didn't take their shoes off. So they took them before the human rights tribunal and they ended up taking the house away from the owner and giving it to this refugee. Jesus, Things like that. Orwell. So, Mike, we got about three uh, minutes left. And before I let you go, I want, I want to uh, ask you, um, well, damn, now I forgot what I was going to ask you. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I hear a lot about the secession movement in Quebec where the, the Francophiles or the Francophones want to want to separate. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, uh, Ottawa is constantly throwing money at them to keep them within the, uh, uh, what do you call it, a federation up there? 
Confederation, yeah. Confederation. Yeah, the country, it's the Confederation. Okay, so uh, what's to keep Alberta and and some of the uh, you know northern territories from doing the same? Well, that's interesting that you ask because uh, I know the leader of the Wexit or Western Exit movement. Uh, I've been preaching uh, to people about uh, Western Canada cutting ties. Now, they had a recent Angus Reid poll where they asked people if they wanted to be part of Canada here in Alberta, and it came out 60% no. Now, Quebec, because they wanted to separate back in the 80s, they had a leader named Rennie Levesque that was screaming it from the rooftops, and it actually came up before the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled that any province at any time can hold a referendum and secede from confederation. So separation is something that is definitely a hot topic, and it's growing bigger every day. The more these energy companies leave, the more the jobs dry up. It's really waking a lot of them up that there's no benefit to being part of Canada. And if the, if the money is saying that having Canada attached to you is a loser and leaving for the U.S., then that is speaking volumes to Albertans. So, uh, yeah, they're holding rallies in Edmonton, Calgary, and getting large numbers of people out, and our national media is covering it. And what they're doing is attacking it. Now, they never attack it when Quebec talks about separation for all these years. But when Alberta does, they they uh, the things you see said, it's like, oh, Alberta is such a bunch of whiners. And, oh, you'd be landlocked. Well, Germany and Luxembourg are landlocked. Under UN treaty, you have to let people get their... Uh, energy out or it's a trade embargo we have been joined by mike phillip that's spelled with an f f-i-l-i-p host of Amerinuck radio right here on the mojo 50 radio network 12 p.m mountain time and 2 p.m eastern mike thanks for joining us uh i'd love for you to come back on and talk a little bit more about this if you get a chance anytime jim good talking to you well that takes us you to the too, end buddy. of this edition of right now i want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow for another edition right here on Mojo 5.0. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.